0: Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. I am Sam Moses. I own Moses Mastering. I'm with my good friend Matthew Garber, who owns B-Side Mastering. Uh, Matthew and I have never met each other, uh, except we talk about mastering every other week on the phone. So we thought we would make a podcast uh, about mastering. And as of now, it doesn't have a name, but we will create one, or maybe you'll help us create one. And uh, to set the it should tone, be a contest.
1: A contest. Our it first should be contest. a contest. A it's, giveaway. I love it. We're going to do a giveaway. We give don't know what <laughs> we're giving away and we don't know what our name is, but stay tuned. That'll be at the end. We'll That'll figure that good. out. Uh, yeah. So today we're
0: going to talk about mastering and we're just going to talk about why we're doing this. And then we're going to cover a range of topics that have to do with mastering, have to do with the industry... Um, and why that's important.
1: So I'm excited about this. Are you, Matthew? Oh, it's going to be awesome. Excellent. Okay. So starting us off, uh, Sam. If uh, if everyone does not know, Sam is a fantastic blogger who oh, posts more regularly than I've seen most people post. Uh, what do you post? Like about like two or three times a week.
0: I post 1 to 2 times a week. Sometimes there's 3 if uh if there's
1: something I want to rant about. That's the third <laughs> blog, a rant. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, earlier this week, 2 days ago, you posted a blog on stealing. You want to you want to open that up a little bit? Sure. So, this blog uh is a long time coming
0: or more of a uh it's taken me a lot of years to be convicted about um, stealing from the music industry. And essentially what that means is uh, when I started in the music industry eight or so years ago, uh, my first experience at a studio, um, I learned that all, pretty much all the software and plugins that were being used um, to create the music was stolen and illegally downloaded, um, much like music is illegally downloaded. And uh, at first, I didn't think much of it for multiple years. And then over the last five or so years, I've become really convicted of um, creating music and selling it uh, while I have illegal software. So I wanted to write a blog about it because essentially the music industry is in a very interesting spot where it's kind of struggling, and artists aren't being compensated very well, engineers aren't being compensated very well, producers don't feel like they're being compensated very well. Um, And I think it all stems back to the beginning, um, to the people who are making the music. Uh, If you make your product with stolen goods, uh, plug-ins, software, anything like that, samples, sounds, um, if you make your product with those things that are stolen, then you can't really expect to um, get compensated a lot, if that makes any sense. So that's yeah. kind of the overall idea of the blog, um, and there's a lot else that goes into it, but Matthew, what did you think about that?
1: I mean, I thought it was really interesting. One pre, one thing is sticking out, and it's that I also use software that's not so legally obtained. Yes, And... I mean, there's it's it's such a slippery slope because it's like, as a company, don't you have a vested interest? And I don't want to put this back on the companies at all, yeah. but it's like, as a company, and I mean, you own a company, I own a company, don't you have a vested interest to protect your product? And you have companies that say, okay, well, you need to use this with an eye lock. you need to right. uh, buy, like you have with UAD, you need to buy... Uh, it's kind of hokey but you have to buy their proprietary right. um what what is it dsp it's like a
0: yeah like their satellite a, or you have to their buy their face in order to yeah. use their stuff
1: yeah and so it's like they've protected their product in those ways and you can't find them whether you're going on pirate bay or wherever right. um, so i i don't know that's kind of that's kind of my rebuttal but also it's like you know i really wanted to Cut my teeth in mastering a couple years ago, yeah, and it, in all honesty, was kind of an enabler to help me get into it, yeah. And I will say, I do have the complete intent on when I am making a living doing this, or at least making a couple hundred bucks a month doing this, that because I do feel that conviction that I want to go and purchase what I'm using, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'll also say that if someone has a really solid product and they're not protecting it, but it's something that I do wanna buy, mm-hmm. um, the first thing I'll do is I'll see if there's a crack of it to see if I like it so right. that I can use it really for as long as I want. Then eventually I'll feel that conviction and I'll go and buy it. Right. Also, like, I've found, like, if you have a crack, and I'm sure that you have experiences too, yes. that, like, those things don't work well. No, <laughs> and they're they're very hokey they cut in and out and it's like you're opening up a session and it's kind of embarrassing because right. it's like plug-in unavailable and it's like oh, I'm mad but I can't be mad yeah well that's <laughs> how it is I... like when I go to studios now like
0: since first let me say something I'm not shaming or guilting anyone if you have crack stuff I I started with crack stuff I used it for lots of years I made money off of it and I never for some reason felt uh, a need to have to buy it, um, but over four or five years of using all the cracked stuff, um, it's kind of funny we're calling it cracked stuff. <laughs> it's like drugs. Uh, <laughs> it is legal. Both things are illegal. Um, <laughs> when I go to different studios, I can immediately tell like where they downloaded it from, or like if a certain error comes up and they're like, "Oh, this always happens," you know, it's, <laughs> it's an update. I'm like, "It's not an update. You got that from Kickass Torrent from." From uh, Mark, Marky Mark, the torrenter, like because this happened on mine, <laughs> so it's just kind of funny that uh, you know people people in town will blame it on like oh I I just I need to update and I'm like oh you don't need to update like you just have all illegal stuff and it doesn't work <laughs> so you just need
1: to buy the right one yeah
0: you need to buy it the functioning one so that's funny that's kind of interesting though because I've heard. In my research of doing this blog and kind of before, like a lot of cracked stuff is basically uh, like beta format of plugins and software. So like Hmm. it's essentially the version that's actually not going to be released. It was like a test version um, that had glitches. Yeah, so that's how like a lot of the logic crack stuff that comes out is actually the versions before it actually you know before Apple sells it. So wow. there will be there will be features, um because I know this because I used to steal logic, and then I bought it a while ago. and um you know, supposedly I'm on the same version, and uh my cracked version looks different. <laughs> so <laughs> there's things missing <laughs> in it um, so yeah, so that's you know that's a whole other part is like you're probably getting you know a seventy five percent of of what it actually sounds like. Um, and in audio, that should matter, you know, I feel like. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the many reasons why you shouldn't
1: uh, steal things or download crack things. So I made a couple notes yeah. uh, while I was reading it. I- I really just like writing down like my own li- not like rebuttals but just Excellent. little points I like I'd like to bring up to you bring them up ab- about stuff that you write because I think that you write from a very knowledgeable place and well, you. kind of like a kind of more like a, like a bold place because I don't think there's a lot of people out there in the industry writing about um, is it actually right or wrong to be right. using this type of software right and something and something where. That I want to bring up, and it's kind—it's of, I operate a lot in the gray, and this is in there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you have like in most cases, I'm glad that I downloaded a crack, okay? Because it's like say that I downloaded like all of Waves cracks, which are yeah. easy to find, right? And like s- like subsequent cracks after that. Yeah. after like they release new software it's like oh here's the new one cuz they right. didn't protect the new one right um, they uh, they modeled the abbey road like plate verb and stuff right. like that and it's like well okay i'll just go look for that now right um so you Say, say, say you have that, uh, just say like a, a, a tape machine or something like that, and you're yeah. gonna see that, let's say it's on sale, or th- let's say that it normally sells for 120, maybe as low as 99, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range, yes. and it stays there. Yes. So, uh, since value is really, at least with me, defined as what someone is willing to pay for something, yes, um, that's why it's like I can't blame. Like, the music, like, people complaining that, oh, their song's only selling for 99 cents when it cost them 10 grand to make an album or more. Yeah. It's like, I can't, like, I I can't really get behind that because it's like, that's what the market is. Right. It's like, if you don't like it, change the market or don't sell on that platform. Absolutely. I can't feel bad for you because the market is what the market is. Like the market's not going to change unless you make it change. And I actually don't think that artists understand actually as artists how much power you do have to change something. Right. Or to ask for something in a different way. Right. It's like there's other ways besides digital to make money. Correct. In this game. Yep. Um, so, okay, so back to the plugin. Yes. So, normally sells for $120. Let's say it's a tape machine. Yeah. And then the plugin company has a 24 hour sale to where the plugin is on sale for $26. Yes. What does that do to the guy who just bought that plug-in yesterday for $120? Uh, that makes him go on gear slots and do a, a five paragraph rant about it. But I Waves. think that's a very like important point though.
0: I know. It's it's a great point. And that's why for a long time I didn't buy anything because every Black Friday the wave stuff would be eighty percent off and I'd be like, Yeah. Well, eighty percent off is practically free, so I'm just not going to buy it. <laughs> it's still too much, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And kind of like for people that are holding out, uh, I think plugins eventually will basically be free, you know. Um,
1: and then you can just say, oh, I'm glad I waited." <laughs> or something. So, so I mean, I mean, that's what I'm getting at. And you and I were uh, on the topic of uh, of Stephen Slate's mm-hmm. uh, stuff earlier, and yeah. I. Th- before I go into anything, I think that he puts out some of the most solid emulations yeah, and uh, new ideas or just, like, like innovative things in the digital realm. I really think that he is, like, forging a path. I mean, with, like, his, like, virtual microphone collection. I think that's yep. what it's called or yeah. whatever. I mean, it's just, like, he's just doing stuff in a cool way. So, I mean, complete kudos to him. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that him and whoever's doing his uh, his algorithms and everything, I mean I mean good for them. That's that's an awesome yeah. That's an awesome thing they have going on and it's it's very strong and it's working and people believe in it and yeah. and any Gear sluts forum when people talk about the digital stuff they're using in terms of plugins, they always bring up slate. Correct. Um, so he's made a name for himself, like a very strong name. Yes. The one, but what I will contest is how he does his business. Um, Do you like the way he does his business? I did because, I used to because I thought it was pretty, um, I thought it was pretty recordable. I thought it was pretty honest and not saying yeah. that it's dishonest now, but I don't think that it's as honest as it once was. Yeah. Um <laughs> I tried looking for my old receipts uh, when I bought stuff from him, and I can't find them But I own a handful of his stuff. Um, I know I own the I own the tape machine. I own the mix rack. I own um, the series of bus compressors, um, FGX. If I didn't say that already, and yeah. I really, I really like those. I, I really enjoy them, and it's down to a point to where it's like. If I'm like with the FGX, it's like a critical tool at least to me. It's like eh, yeah. I don't really like the compressor that much. The limiter's okay. I really like what that dynamic like control is like right after the compressor. Yeah. Like I really like. Hey, let's like add a little bit of top. Like let's like fatten up like the bottom end a little bit. I'm not as not a big fan about like the like the the gain knob or whatever. It's a little digital, but. Yeah. The dynamic perception is pretty cool as well. So it's like there's like little things I like about like their emulations and what they've done uh, and what they've built. Um, and I think that used to be for, I, I, I remember seeing it, for, I, I want to say for $99. Like, yeah. is, is that is that the ballpark?
0: That's probably about what it is. For the record, I don't own anything Steven Slate. Really? Never got into it, which is I'm an just... interesting thing.
1: I've just always been a fan. Um, I actually do think used it. I just don't own it. I've been like, I actually do think there's a crack of his FGX, and I think that's the only thing that made it into the cracks. Yeah, Uh, but I did buy it just because I, if if I like what you're doing, I'm going to buy it. Right. Um, I like have this like weird like sense of guilt if I don't. Um, (laughs) So I'm trying to navigate his website while talking um, so yeah the the one thing that I don't like is and it, but it was great marketing is going to the whole everything bundle mm. yes and it's you could buy uh, I, th- I think like I priced out everything today on his website and there was a couple things you can't buy you have to have the everything bundle in order to have literally everything right but and there's there's some things you cannot buy and I'd have to look right. back at what that was um, but the things that you could buy, it was, uh, between 1800 and 1900 I think it was, like, $1,828. Yeah. And it paying, like, $14 a month or something. But yeah. from what I didn't like is I, f- for some reason, think that prices increased. Yeah. Like, on the individual pieces of gear, um, when he did the everything bundle. And it's like, oh, it'll take you 10 years to pay this off. It's like, well... <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just kind of see it as hokey, and right. I see it just as, uh,
0: it's yeah, like, it I, is I don't,
1: I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get drafted for, like, I, I want to own something. I don't right. want to like, like, oh, if I cancel this thing, I'm losing like, this thing that like, like these plugins that like, I feel like I need and that like, I've really worked into right. how I work and. Yeah. I mean I could I could figure it out some other way, but I'd prefer not to and just have like what I know and what I trust and what I love. Um, yeah. So I don't know. And then you were saying earlier that you can really like at any time he could say, Oh, well now it's sixteen dollars and now it's twenty dollars right. a month. Yeah. And you're pretty much subject to that or you lose all of your stuff. Right. Yeah. I think the big thing with subscription
0: um as a as a business model, a you can mark your original stuff up crazy high, which appeals to the consumer because they think they're getting a bigger and better deal. So Steven Slate could say, "Oh, this plugin's a thousand dollars, but the everything bu- bundle you'll get it, you know, and twenty other plugins for fifteen bucks." And that's a good way to market. Uh, and then the other, the main thing I have an issue with with subscription is that it's essentially devaluing your product and your brand um, in Mm. that you're training your audience and your consumer to expect a product or all your products in this case, which is crazy, it's everything they do from now until forever, so he claims now, um, you will get for this price that supposedly will never change, um, except that it can change, um, which is a different story. But as of now, yeah. they're saying you get everything now and for forever. But essentially, what used to be um, kind of like a Nordstrom shopping experience or a designer, say the, the tape plugin was three hundred dollars, and not everybody can afford three hundred dollars. Uh, but now your tape plugin is actually worth about one dollar uh, if you're getting all these plugins, or even less than a dollar. Hmm. Um, and that means more people have access to it, which means when more people have access to things, there's a heavier saturation. When there's more saturation, then the product be- Devalue. devalues. So music is worth less because of the Slate plug-in bundle. Now, for Slate, it's great for business because they're banking on quantity. They're going after quantity. They're going after uh, having some predictable income and revenue. But the issue with um, training your consumer or your client, you know, this applies to what we do too, uh, when you train them that they can get everything for next to nothing, after a few years, the consumer gets used to that, and they want that, let me step back, that original price that was like $15 is now actually kind of expensive, <laughs> and they want something hmm. cheaper, and they want something more for that price um, because as humans, we get conditioned and we get anchors. and anchors essentially are um, what we've decided in our mind, the rules we've made uh, that determine what we think something is worth. you know, It's what you're talking about. If things are only worth what people will pay them or pay for them. So like if Steven Slate's stuff is worth $15, then all his plugins are worth pennies. And then after a few years, Steven Slate's either going to have to come out with something completely different, a whole new line of plugins, or I predict his um, current customers are going to get upset. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to look elsewhere. Um, They're going to go back to downloading things for free because uh, the subscription model gets boring after a while. And uh, people bank on essentially... Businesses bank on people being too lazy to cancel their subscription. That's how it works. That's just how Planet Fitness works, too. They try to market to people that will not work out. Um, And that's how they can charge only $10 a month for a gym Mm -hmm. because 80% of their clientele doesn't show up ever during that month, and they know that. Um, And I think that's kind of, you know... I think that's a little bit of what we see with subscription p- plans with plugins. I also think the response of Stephen Slate, and Waves is doing it too, and Pro Tools, the subscription base, is also them waving the white flag to, hey, we know everybody's stealing almost everything we make, so we'd rather make a dollar than no dollars, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's an argument within that too, which we can go into later. But it's basically like, you know, they're giving in to the, to the thieves. And like in my blog, I talked about, you know, the research is showing in the U.S. up to 50% of all music is made with cracked or illegal software. Outside the U.S., it's closer to 80%, um, which is, you know, a huge number, and that's millions upon millions of dollars that uh, these companies are missing out on. But it's also allowing for... Uh, essentially everyone, to make music. And when everyone can make music, then music is devalued again. Um, Which, you know, there's arguments of, well, now we have more music to listen to. Well, that's great, but do we need more music to listen to? Do we want more music to listen to? There's so much music out there. Like, if no one ever made a song again, I'm pretty sure uh, I would still not get through what's on Spotify before I die.
1: Um, I can't remember what it's called, but I think there's a website that will pull up uh, Spotify profiles that have zero listens. Yeah. And it'll like essentially bring light to these people that it's like, hey, here's someone you would have never found. Right. Because no one's found them. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, with with the plugin thing, it's interesting um,
0: just because essentially the plugin companies they used to have power, and they still could have had power, but them lowering their rates on everything uh, gives the power to us, the consumer. Um, and really, the plug-in companies could just be like, you know what, we're done. Like <laughs> we're gonna pull like every plug-in, or like freeze every plug-in, and then you know until we figure this out. Much like I argue for, like artists to stop putting their music on streaming. Not because I don't think streaming's the future. I I like streaming, but the way streaming functioned right now is functioning and it's not working very well for everyone, which there's always a learning curve with new technology. Um, But if artists would pull their music and just sell it or take the product away from the streaming companies, then something would have to change. We could have a talk. uh, New rules could be made. Regulations could catch up. Um, There's all sorts of things that happen but essentially the music industry is a weird place because people have this ginormous fear of missing out and then they also have been told this myth of urgency um that they have to be able to to, to make things and get it out, you know, tomorrow and and it's just not uh it's not true, I guess, I'll say. So, that's another topic, but
1: well, no, it's all great. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's a it's a mixed bag, I mean, it it goes back to what I said, and it's more of a question that I posed to you. It's like, shouldn't these companies have a have more of a vested interest in their product? Yes, as opposed to just letting them get ripped off.
0: Yeah, I think they I think they should. Uh, I think they should care that people are stealing their product. Um, I think they did care uh, originally, you know. Uh, waves had some lawsuits in 2009 um, where they sued a bunch of studios and people for having cracked plugins um over in the UK and then after that uh, i think because it costs so much money to do that and the hassle it is people just started saying you know what this isn't worth it we'll just we'll just bank on you know now bank on subscription plan you know and get some people to pay at least something as opposed to us having to chase down every bedroom producer because uh, it's really hard to convict someone of stealing plugins because you have to notify them, you have to get a proper search warrant, the person could delete everything, the person could buy licenses for everything, they could say, uh, my friend Joe gave it to me, I didn't know, he said it was good. Uh, There's just so many uh, hoops that that you have to go through or... Maybe the better thing is to say like the stars have to align essentially to actually convict someone, um, and the amount of money they've spent on convicting people, uh, you know, outweighs the amount of money the person owes for the plug-in. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like you know Joe in his bedroom has six hundred dollars of plug-ins. Well, they spent twelve thousand dollars just getting him to show up to court. <laughs> so yeah, you know, and it's kind of like well, it's the principle that matters, and I agree, but you know when you're going after someone for money but then you're going to spend $12,000 on it to make up 600 it's kind of like now this doesn't make business sense at all <laughs> so
1: what i mean in in the other company that i own i mean one one of the one of the things we say is that um copying is one of the most um, it's one of the biggest forms of flattery yeah and it's uh we have a product that has been ripped off by people in China and a couple people in the States. And yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, you can say it's flattery and whatnot, but right. it's, it still sucks either way. Right. But it's like, you know, I think it's more to be like reactionary, uh, externally than internally. And it's like, okay, well we have these people. So what do we have these people doing this? So what do we do? We go and we get copyrights and we go and we get, um, we go and we get patents yeah. and, we normally didn't get patents just because our technology advanced faster than the patent process moved. Right. But we get copyrights, we get patents. So if anyone ever tries to post that, hey, they're gonna sell something that looks like ours, yeah, we can just go and say, Hey, no, we actually have a copyright on this uh, picture that they're trying to yeah. to put out. Yeah. And it's like or if you have if you have a patent or trademark or something, and they're trying to bring something in under a name that looks like yours, customs will stop it right at the port. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, there there are reactionary steps that could be taken, and I feel like if people were just to be like, uh, or these companies were to just be like, let's just beef up our security yeah. and. I mean, let's just go to the iLock. What everyone else is doing, or right. I, I don't know if there's a better way to do it. I don't. I don't really like the whole DSP solution with satellites and whatnot, right. especially with where computers are going. I understand why it was necessary, right. but do I think is it necessary now uh, from a security measure standpoint? Sure. Yeah. Um. But from a DSP standpoint, not necessarily. Yeah. Um. But I, I think there's another way to skin that cat in this day and age. Absolutely. So yeah, like I mean, I mean. Solid blog, I like what you write, and Thank you. um I think it gives us like pretty solid content to to go over yeah, so. I think
0: I think the main thing, just to wrap it all up, like the whole point of that blog is essentially for me, if engineers and producers and artists are complaining about not making enough money or getting paid their rate, yet they're using stolen plugins and software. You can't have a healthy industry. Um, you can't have a healthy industry that's gonna function well when your goods are made when your product's made from stolen things. And no one likes talking about that because it would change the industry if you had to if everyone actually had to buy everything, um you would have less people able to make music. Um, and the people that really wanted to make music would save up for it, buy it value it, um, and then the artists who could afford rates would really value it, save up for it. Um, and that's how you get an industry that's thriving and get art back and music back uh, to be valued. But as of now, I mean, if, if we, the people who are making music, are disrespecting our own, the, our, the people within the industry that are even allowing us to do it, um, we can't expect to be respected by the public, you know, who's essentially just wanting entertainment. Um,
1: that's so a good yeah. point.
0: So, yeah, that's... That's great. That's kind of the whole point of the blog. Um, and it's more so, like, if we continue to do this, we will kill our own industry. Um, and that's where it's headed. And that's, you know, I, this isn't like, a, oh, my gosh, music's going to die. You can't kill <laughs> music, but... Like I said in my blog, you can make it worthless. And that's where we're headed. Um, and if that happens, then I'll get a different job and that, that'll be fine. But, um, you know, music's great. It, it helps people. It changes lives. It's, uh, it's, part of, it's part of life. It's beautiful. So, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on stealing. I don't think you should steal anything. And I think if you work in an industry, uh, you shouldn't steal from your own industry. So that's all I have to say about that.
1: That's pretty awesome. Okay, cool. cool. This is the what do
0: you like segment. Uh, That's what we're calling it today. (laughs) And maybe in post-production, we'll think of a better thing. But let's talk about Things we like with audio, Matthew, and maybe we'll talk about plugins since we just got done talking about that. So, what
1: one do you like, Matthew? One person each. One person. Yeah, yeah. One per person. One per person. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce this name. I downloaded their uh, their demo, and I was kind of blown away. So I, uh, you can spell it did, out if you need to. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now in Logic. Uh, I think it's Oak Sound, but it's uh, O E K Sound. And they have that new plug in Soothe, which is, uh, I don't know necessarily exactly everything that's going on in there. Yeah. But it's like, it's essentially a very, very capable, uh, very selective or not so selective uh, multi, uh, yeah, what what is it? Uh, Multiband? Yeah, I think I think I think it's a multi-band. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of escaping me right now. Uh, of course, when I'm on the spot, I uh, don't I really liked it. It's helped me clean up a, a bunch of top end. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, when it, whenever you're going from mixing to mastering, of course, there's going to be a little bit of a level increase, or right in some cases, a, lo- a lot of level increase, and yeah. um, normally people aren't seeing or hearing. Uh, like what's what's something gonna sound like at full volume? Yeah, and right. Full replay. Right. And normally you're gonna at least from what I've seen you're gonna have a little bit more harshness on uh, on the overheads and yeah. hi hats and whatnot and right. Uh, perhaps with uh, some sibilance with the vocals and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's primarily what I use it for. I've used it for taming a little bit of low end, yeah. but I kind of I. I I've I've seen some like limitations at least as far as I've used it, but mm-hmm. I really enjoy just how it like it kinda just tickles the top end and just yeah. like just takes off like a little bit of harshness and like just what I need for it to do. So yeah. that's what I like. The I, I think the company's called Oak Sound and it's called Soothe. So okay. go check it out. It is one hundred percent worth um worth the money. I don't think it's too cheap either, actually. Let me I to look it up. I think it's like 175 bucks, but we can definitely. Uh,
0: I was gonna say we can. 100. Handle, f- go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah, 149 euros. So I think that's like 175 US dollars. Yeah. But if nothing else, go try the demo, and it will. It'll blow your mind. If you go too far, though, you'll hear like this like quantizing Hmm. and you'll, it's, it's. I mean, it could be cool like from a mixing perspective, excuse me, but from a mastering perspective, it's like, "Ah, I'm trying to like affect this as least as I can. And I feel like this operates inside of that realm of like uh, the least bit I can touch something. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I've really liked it. I've used it on practically everything since I've gotten it. Yeah. And it is insanely versatile, so I highly recommend it. Oak Sound Soothe Audio Processor. That Dynamic Resonance Sweet. Suppressor for, high, for mid and high frequencies. That's what their website says. Awesome. So That's cool. I like it. Love it. So what about you, bud?
0: Uh, so I want to talk about the Overstayer MAS. Uh, it is a hardware unit. Not a plug-in. Um, and essentially, for many years, I was chasing an uh, out-of-the-box console sound, which is a thing. Um, <laughs> consoles do sound different than plugins, um, And so I had clients that essentially would come to me and say, like, hey, we just want it to sound warm and rounded like tape or like a console uh, even though we made this all in our bedroom with digital stuff. And I would say, okay, sure. So uh, I had enough requests with that, and probably about 80% of what people tell me is they want something warm, round, or gluey, or something like that um, is what they expect mastering to do. And I finally learned that that meant uh, analog-type sound, harmonic saturation, One of the things we love about analog is crosstalk uh, within a console, and that kind of gives it its (coughs) stereo image and width um, a lot of the times too. So anyway, the overstayer is a three-stage analog piece of gear that has uh, two stages of harmonics and then a dual mode of harmonics that distributes all the audio across basically all the analog circuits they have in there and transformers. And I'm probably saying a few things that are wrong, but you can read the manual. But (laughs) uh, then it also has uh, a low resonant peak uh, for EQ, a 100 hertz boost kind of deal and then a 12K top-shelf boost. And that all EQ goes into the harmonics, which then goes into the drive, uh, like the input-output, Uh, knobs. Basically, what you can do is you can kind of push things uh, pretty hard through it, and instead of um, having to use a compressor or limiter, uh, it will round off the transients in a musical way, much like when you push a console. Um, And what you get is basically a fatter, bigger sound. Um, And with the harmonic buttons, you can get a fatter low end, a mid-range or more sparkly top end um, without really having to do any EQ, it's just uh, it's essentially distortion but in the uh, way we like distortion which comes from analog gear being kind of pushed so How long once, have you used it? What's that? How long have you been
1: using it in your rig?
0: I've been using it for almost two years and um, I cannot live without it now it sounds like um, it sounds like records, which is a really cliche or dumb thing to say, <laughs> but just running things through it makes it sound um, warm, gluey, uh, analog. If there was ever a um, way to categorize it, that's that's how it sounds. And there's no plugin I have that can do what it does. Um, it's also not always perfect for what i'm working on it doesn't get used on every project but most projects it does because most people are not uh they don't have the uh, ability to work out of the box or use a console or use a lot of nice gear so this is a really great way to be able to kind of give them that product um in the mastering stage and um, when i ab things just running it through With it on and with it off, there is a difference uh, in just overall loudness and density. And um, I just just love it. I love everything Overstayer is doing. Um, They're putting out new limiters and compressors and EQs now. Um, And the stuff is built like a tank. Uh, And it just sounds terrific. It's all super clean. Um, And the other cool thing about the Overstayer is it has a front, um, like, direct in. So, you can use it for guitars, uh, bass, you could do vocals through it, um, and then it really becomes kind of like recording into a console, and you can stack, you know, you could track your guitar through it at a, at a certain level, uh, put your bass in, turn the knobs, blend it. Um, it's kind of like having a console. Uh, so, you're getting, basically, you're getting a stereo uh, DI, because it's channel 1, channel 2, DI in the front and then the back is channel 1, channel 2 different channels um, with XLR Uh, and then it has even this is another cool feature is on the back it has two more additional channels um, that you can have things just plugged into and then there's just toggle switches in the front so if I want to like my mastering things I have, you know, it's ran into that but then I can just flip a switch down, and all of a sudden, my vocal microphone microphone is uh, being sent into that channel instead of my mastering. Does oh, that make cool. sense? Yeah, that's cool. So you don't have to like unplug anything or do any routing or patching. You just hit a toggle switch. Now, um, for mastering, are
1: the pots detented? This model I
0: have, which is like one of the first ones, is not, but the new ones are. Okay. So, but the, it was made for mastering the new one I think is called the mastering model because it has that. Um okay. but I line check everything, level check everything no matter what, uh, even if it does or doesn't on any piece of gear I own. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a great piece of gear. I mean, it uh, I think it's 3 or 4 hundred dollars more now than when I bought it because it's becoming
1: pretty popular. I mean, it's still not like the prices, and yeah, it's anything crazy. It's I think seeing like fifteen hundred bucks from Vintage King. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, for a piece of outboard gear, it's something not bad. Yeah, like
0: you, it pays for itself in the sound, Um, and especially if you do any sort of tracking or anything, it's just like you're basically getting two killer (laughs) preamps and an EQ and harmonics. And multiple channels of toggling within it. I mean, it's for me. If you were to buy a piece of analog gear, start there because it's it's the sound of analog to me um, in a in a two channel unit. So I really love it. And go check out Overstayer stuff. Very cool.
1: And that's what Sam likes. And that's what Sam likes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, cool. Well, Sam, thanks for thanks for this first episode and well thank uh, you Matthew yeah we'll see how it goes and if we can whittle this two and a half hours down to a a sizable amount and (laughs) we'll put it out see how we can do